Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. It's like looking through a time machine at ourselves 30 years ago. While the hair is smaller, the hunger is still outsized. Hunger is what gets anything done. Stay hungry, ladies, we think. Quan Berry, we ride upon sticks. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, we're back with a new episode format we started last month, but this time we're talking about spooky book flights. I'm joined in conversation by Bookshelf retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer and bookseller Keila Cohn. Before we get started, as most of you know, one of our main goals for 2022 has been to grow the show to 10,000 listeners and to reach 1,000 ratings on Apple Podcasts. Those numbers are terrifying to me, but we're excited. (laughs) Right now, we are a community of almost 9,000, and we're up to over 800 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. One way to help grow the show and reach these goals is for you to leave your own review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. This week, I read this review from Mindy in NC. Remember how it felt to read Anne of Green Gables and know not just Anne, but her specific environment and cast of characters? That's how I feel about Annie, the bookshelf Thomasville, and her guests. I just love the opportunity to spend a little time with her in Georgia every Thursday. That is the highest and best praise. Thank you, Mindy and NC, and thank you to all of our listeners who have left reviews for the show over the last few months. We can see a difference, really and truly, we can see a difference in the show's reach. And with every new listener, we get closer to reaching those very important numeric goals. But even more importantly, we are able to grow our small business in Thomasville. So thank you. Now, Back to the show. This week, we are talking book flights, where we pair three or more books together around certain themes and topics. In September, we tackled back-to-school titles, but this month, of course, we're moving on to one of our favorite subjects, spooky reads. It's spooky season. Floor manager Olivia and bookseller Keila are back to share their preferred book flights for the season. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome back, Keila. I'm excited. This is my favorite time of year. (laughs) This is really tailor-made for you. Before we kind of launch into our individual book flights, we've all created spooky book flights, all of which you can find for sale on the Bookshelf website. Why don't we talk about what we love about this reading season? I'm curious. I know, Olivia, you kind of read some of these throughout the year, but I'm curious if that changes for you in October. But Keila, this is your, this is really, this is really your favorite topic. So why don't you tell us about how much you love spooky season? It's all year for me. I wait all year for this. Um, And I read spooky books all year, but in the month of October, it is just spooky books, nonstop, Mm -hmm. spooky movies, just, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm here for a good scare. Mm -hmm. Will you read widely outside of this month, but this month you think more focused on spooky reads? Do you read anything outside that genre this month? Um, Not unless there's something that really is going to catch my attention more than a spooky book. 
Do you plan your spooky reads in advance for this month? Like I've seen some people post their spooky read stacks. Like, do you have a stack of books you're working your way through? Or are you reading by serendipity this month? I have like some that I want to read. But, you know, I'm just go with the flow, whatever I'm in the mood for at that moment. Okay, Olivia, what about you? I'm very curious because your reading life looks different because it is often led by bookshelf reading. So I'm curious, do you indulge in spooky reading season? Yeah, uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> no, I, I don't read seasonally like at all. That that has uh-huh. never been a concept that has like attracted me or pulled me in. I think because uh-huh. I'm, I'm such a mood reader, it, okay. I have to be in the right mood to pick up a certain book. So yeah, I always attempt to plan out what I want to read for the weekend or for the month and whatnot, but it, it will never end up what I put down on paper. So was this a hard task for you? Or no, because no. of how you read normally. <laughs> yeah. No, because I already had like a whole backlist of book right. titles to pull from for this. So yeah. this is actually really fun and hard to choose. Hard to narrow down. so many. Yeah. 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 So I, I think I'm like, this is not shocking. I think I'm right in the middle between <laughs> Olivia and Keela um, because I do like spooky season. Jordan and I watch scary movies this time of year. I like to indulge in a spooky book or two. And I do like to read seasonally. However, I'm also a bookstore owner. I have shelf subscriptions to read for. I am so proud of like past Annie for picking 2022 shelf subscriptions so far in advance that now I think in order to appease future (laughs) Annie, I need to go ahead and be reading for 2023. And I know there won't be time for that in December, really. So like I'm trying to balance that. Like what does this month look like? But one thing I did do, Keely, I think you would have been really proud, is I went to the Thomas County Public Library, where I had not been in a long time. I normally just go there for meetings. (laughs) But because I own the bookstore, I don't often go to the library anymore. And I love the library. So I went to the library and I thought, I'm just going to browse for, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour. And I'm going to leave with three or four spooky books to try to guide my season. Doesn't mean I'm going to be able to read them all. Doesn't mean I'm going to check all of them off the list. But if I pick one up, great. And in fact, I did pick one up and I'm really liking it so far. So anyway, I left with like a stack of four spooky books to help guide my reading, though I probably will also read for shelf subscriptions or podcast episodes or whatever. But this was a fun task. And I found it, despite how much I love books set in boarding schools or academia, I found this to be an easier task. I'm curious if y'all did as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was honestly like I had fun grouping them together Yes, as I was as I was pulling titles. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I, I told Olivia my titles yesterday and she looked at me and she was like, what theme is this? But I do, <laughs> but I did have a theme and <laughs> I do have an answer um, that I was intentional about. But I, yeah, I had a really fun time because like you all, I think I have read like this a lot. And so to narrow down to three was kind of hard and to think, okay, what is, what are some backlist titles? What are some things that could maybe be things people haven't read before? So I'm excited. Let's dive in. We're going to go in order. So I'll kick us off, then Olivia, and then Keela. And we can then at the very end, we'll kind of regroup. We'll we'll share our overarching book flights again so listeners can, can know. Okay. So my spooky book flight, I would like to start with The Likeness. This is by Tana French. Have either of you read Tana French? No. Olivia, before we started recording, <laughs> I thought my dream... Is for one day when Olivia Shaver doesn't have the pressure of 
the bookshelf or a bookstore that she could read Tana French. I think you'd really like her. I think I would too. Yeah. I think it's right up your alley. It's just a matter of life at the shelf, like not really leaving room for this. Um, But I I really do think you'd like her a lot. So if you are not familiar, Tana French is an Irish author. She writes a lot of maybe more crime stories than, or I would call them suspense stories. Some of them verge into thriller. They're not hauntings. Hauntings are not my particular specialty. Perhaps Keila will take us into that. But my preference tends to be the suspense novel. And I think Tana French does such a wonderful job of writing these really well-crafted stories. They're all set in Ireland. I also like that you do not have to read them in order. So you certainly can read them in order. The first one is called In the Woods. This is technically the second book. The Likeness is technically the second book. But I have read them out of order because they take a secondary character from a previous novel, a member of this Dublin murder squad, these detectives in Dublin, and then she makes them the main character of the next book. So they're connected, but much like Elizabeth Strout, I don't think you have to read Tana French in order. And I picked this one for a specific reason. So I think I have read all of these And all of the books by her that I have read, I have loved. Some of them are quieter than others. And I know quiet isn't always for everyone, particularly this time of year when maybe we want a big page turner. So I think the likeness is perhaps the most page turning, (laughs) the most compulsively readable of the Dublin Murder Squad books. So this story follows an undercover detective named Cassie Maddox. Cassie is really good at her job. She's been a detective for years, but she's on the younger side of things. And she goes to investigate the murder of a woman named Lexi Madison. And gosh, one of the things I loved about this book was the setting. So not only is it in Ireland, but it's set in, in like this ramshackle house where these housemates all live together. And they kind of, it's almost secret history-esque minus the academic setting, just where you've got this group of friends who like really love each other and they've kind of all gone in on living together, living in community together. And Lexi has been murdered. She's gone missing. They have found her body. And they realize she is a doppelganger for Cassie. And so Cassie goes undercover as Lexi because her roommates, her housemates only know that she's missing. They don't know they've found her body. And the detectives think that one of the housemates might have had something to do with it. So Cassie goes in as Lexi and tries to find out what happens to Lexi. I thought this was so good, so suspenseful. The setting is great. The writing of Tana French, I really love. And I like reading these around this time of year because of the cold setting. Like, I don't, I've, I've talked about this before. I don't like reading cold books in summertime. It, we're too sweaty here for that. And so it's very fun to like cozy up with a book set in Ireland. I found the story of Cassie. I found her as a protagonist really believable. And then I found the story of Lexi and her housemates really intriguing and interesting. So this is called The Likeness. It's the second in the Dublin Murder Squad series. I feel like I should also plug something that I discovered during the pandemic, which is they turned the Dublin Murder Squad books into a series and you can find them streaming. I think they're a little trickier to find because I think they were like a British TV show adaptation. But Jordan and I watched them during the pandemic and we really liked them. So the Likeness by Tana French, and then you can watch the TV series if you want. See, I like it a lot that she uses the secondary characters in the yes. books, because I think sometimes series, you're just like, mm, but how far can we take this character? Yes. How many, how many hijinks can really ensue to one person? Yeah. And then you do, like, you still get the previous, like, main character. You might see a glimpse of them, but it's, like, just enough. 
I like Cassie Maddox to have one book devoted to her. And then she's like a minor character in a future work. I love it. I love the world Tana French has built here. She must have a fun head to live in. Oh, yeah. Or a terrifying head to live in. However you want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) You know. My first book is one that I would actually really love to reread. And I don't want, I don't have the want to reread many books. But this Mm -hmm. is one that if I have time to reread this in my later years, I will for (laughs) sure. Um, This is Devolution by Max Brooks. He's the author of World War Z, which I haven't read, but I know I would like. And this one is written as a firsthand account, which makes it hyper-realistic. Like there there were several times when I had to put down this book and be like, but did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) So this is about this group of people who they go to live in this community that's like a a very small knit. Like I think there's like seven or eight houses around this one main building. And their whole thing is they're living off the grid. It's very eco-friendly, but they are like off the edge of Mount Rainier in Washington. And one day Mount Rainier erupts. And what they don't realize is the aftermath of this is that there were Sasquatches that were living up by Mount Rainier that no one ever knew about that now have been displaced by this volcanic explosion eruption. Mm. And so they start to attack that community that, that lives off the grid, which they have no way to like contact anybody else to like help them or anything, but it happens so slowly. Like Mm. you start to see, and it's just like diary writings. Like it's, it's these people recounting their day and like, or just like in the moment, they just have to document what's happening. Like they start hearing uh, the Sasquatches. I think they start like banging like trees together just to warn Uh the people that they're like surrounding their habitat. (laughs) Like it was so interesting. First off, because I'm not going to say I'm obsessed, but I am fascinated (laughs) by the possible existence or (laughs) non-existence Of Sasquatch. (laughs) So this one was truly right up my alley. Um, And I read it right after I listened to a Stuff You Should Know podcast about Bigfoot, which was so well done, everybody. If you just want to listen to something real quick and just know, is it true? Is it not? That's a great podcast because you can't disprove it and you can't prove it. And they did a great job of showing both sides. And then you read this book and you're like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> I I did have to look up. I was like, did Mount Rainier explode? Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I love that though. I love that kind of book where you're kind of like, yeah. wait a minute, was this real? <laughs> yeah, it, it took me a minute, but it was so good. I don't think I could put it down as soon as I started because the it's short chapters you fly through, but you just have to know what happens. And the characters in it also really draw you in because the different personality types that you find living in an off the grid existence is very interesting. Yeah. So it was excellent. Was this a shelf subscription of yours? Did you pick this? I just remember you reading this and I I remember you talking about it, but I can't remember if you picked it as a shelf subscription a while ago or not. I honestly can't remember. Okay. I just remember you talking about it. Right up that alley. It sounds really good. It is. It is very good. It sounds like it'd make a good TV show too, actually. TV series. Yeah. Keela, what's your first book? Okay. First of all, Olivia, you would love World War Z. It's very good. (laughs) I I love it. I know. Um, I think you told me that before. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. 
So my first book is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. And I just need more people to read it because it is so good. I've read it twice. Oh, It's about Noemi. She is like this glamorous debutante and she gets this frantic letter from her cousin who has been married to this like handsome Englishman. And so they go, she goes to this like house, this mansion that he lives in with his like family and some crazy stuff starts happening. The house is like infiltrating her dreams. She doesn't know what's real and what's not. The patriarch of the family is this like really old dude. Like he's like a hundred or something. And he's like, it's, it's crazy. Like just so much stuff, stuff starts happening. The atmosphere in this book is what really gets you because like you look up from the book and you're like, I thought I was in the moldy library in the mansion, (laughs) but you're not. And it just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you think like you know where it's going, but then mm-hmm. it takes this turn and it's not, you're a whole different story. And it's one of those books where you will want to read it again. And it's just creepy. Yeah. Keela, did you ever read Rebecca, the Daphne du Maurier book? No, but it is on my list. Okay. Because Mexican Gothic, first of all, I, I think when I read Mexican Gothic, and Rebecca, I started to realize maybe gothic literature is not my vibe. But to me, if you like Rebecca, you will like Mexican gothic. And I do think, I don't I don't want to, no spoil alerts, but I do think that one common thread in Keyless Spooky Reads, whether you talk about them on this podcast or not, you love a creepy house. Oh, I love a creepy house. <laughs> I love a creepy house. I wish I lived yeah. in a creepy house. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Like... Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'd pray a lot. A lot more. I would not want a creepy house. Um, But I feel like that is a common thread. And that in the book, Mexican Gothic, that house like is a character all its own. Yeah. That's what I love when like the house or the setting is its own character. Mm -hmm. And that house, like, love it. Okay. My next book is decidedly different <laughs> and different from different from my first selection. So my second recommendation is We Keep the Dead Close. This is by Becky Cooper. This is unique. I don't want to capitalize on true crime during spooky season. That feels slightly like icky because true crimes have real victims and we want to be careful about that. But I do think this work of journalistic nonfiction actually handles true crime really well. And I read this, I believe, in November of 2020 and I loved it and was glad I read it when I did. And so I wanted to include it here as kind of a different type of true crime book. So Becky Cooper is a Harvard grad. And while she was at Harvard, she heard like rumors of this archaeology student who had been murdered while she was a student at Harvard. And she heard all of, you know, how colleges are like, she heard all of these rumors about maybe her professor did it. Maybe her boyfriend did it. Like there was all of these rumors because Harvard has a lot of secret societies and mysteries, but not often is a student murdered on campus, like in their on-campus apartment. And so this was a big deal that kind of infiltrated the Harvard rumor mill, despite it being kind of decades old. So 
when Becky Cooper kind of returned to Harvard, she decided to investigate and do some research on what happened. And particularly then also just investigate the culture of Harvard and what happens when institutions try to protect themselves. And that's kind of why I'm recommending it because it is a very good, diligent, well-researched, well-plotted true crime book about the woman um, who was murdered. Jane Britton was her name. She was murdered in 1969 at Harvard. But it also then is a kind of modern investigation of academic life. I kept thinking it's really dark academia, but make it true. And kind of what happens when you have this culture of secrecy and this culture of kind of cliques and tight-knit academic groups and who Harvard chooses to protect versus who they don't. And I really do, I hesitate to say that I like tales of institutional wrongdoing, but I do like when people shed light on institutional wrongdoing so that we can fix our institutions, right? That to me is the goal. And I think Becky Cooper does a really good job of that. I thought the writing in this was outstanding. Um, It is long. um, And I remember picking it up and being a little worried about that, that it would be a bit of a slog, but I was never bored. It's, it's very well done, well researched, well thought out. And I really respected the work that she did. And to me, it is more than true crime. It's a journalistic investigation of academic culture and what happens on academic campuses. So it's called We Keep the Dead Close by Becky Cooper. It's got a really great cover, and I think it'd be a good a good thing to dive into this time of year when I do think true crime is at the forefront of people's minds this time of year. We've got the questionable new Netflix Dahmer show. Like I feel like we've got a lot kind of spinning in the ether, and so maybe it would be good to ground ourselves in some well-researched, nuanced true crime journalistic nonfiction. Do you think... I, I did listen to that whole recap of that book. It sounds great. But mostly I was thinking in my head, <laughs> if, if I went to Harvard, would I have been asked to join a secret society? Oh, and if yeah. I had been asked, would I say yes? I don't know. I think it would depend on the society. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think but it would. But part of me kind of hopes I would. I think you could have been, look, because there are a lot of them, like they're not all just skulls or whatever. You know, Gilmore Girls taught me that (laughs) I don't, I don't know that I have the wealth needed to be in a secret society. Right. I mean, let alone, I didn't have the wealth to go to. Oh, oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, or the smarts, like, (laughs) let's just, (laughs) but if that all lined up for you to be asked to be in a secret society. I think you would do it if it wasn't against your conscience. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think you would I do it. I think I would be hurt if I didn't get asked, to be honest with you. I was going to say, and I can't decide about myself. I'm afraid I'd be a little bit like holier I than thou. Would. I yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd be like, no, I'm not joining your little secret society. Thank you so much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I'd be a little, uh, yeah, perturbed. <laughs> but I would want to read the expose. You know what I would do? I would be the editor of the school paper and write an expose. You would expose everything. You would expose the secret society that I finally got accepted to. And I would have been so upset with you in this it's fictional so world that I have now created. <laughs> I know, should I write this book? I feel like I should write this book. <laughs> I've just 
had a she list of book ideas. of the secret <laughs> I started it. Olivia, welcome. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good fun exercise. It's a good thought <laughs> exercise. I'm going to ask Jordan when he gets home, would you join a secret society? Oh, uh, yeah. I would be interested in Jordan's an- answers on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would. Hey. Um, well, on to something very different. My <laughs> next book is Hide by Kirsten White. This was my shelf subscription. I do remember that because it was just a couple months ago. Okay. <laughs> but this one really had me at the whole concept of it. And then I just, I dove right in. Um, this is about a game of like extreme hide and seek set mm-hmm. in an amusement park. And you meet this girl, the main girl's Mac. You meet her. She's living at this homeless shelter. You understand that like there is a dark past there that starts to get revealed as you get into the book. But there's a dark past that led her to be in this homeless shelter and to be this person who is extremely good at hiding. Mm-hmm. And the homeless shelter that she frequents, the woman working there told her about this game. If you win this game of hide and seek in this amusement park, you get like I think it was like 20 grand or something. And so Mac was like, yeah, I could use that and I could easily win that. So she sets off to go play this hide and seek game. And for me, it was right after they finished day one that I was just in this 100% because you realize that they have to be outdoors the entire day. The only time that they can retreat back to safety is is when the amusement lights turn on after the dark happens, like after sundown. And if the people who are found that day don't get to return back to the the safety of the tent, you're not sure where they go. It was so good. It was really gripping. I think Kindle just read it and loved it. Keela, did you read it? Yeah, that was the one book I read in June and July. (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right yeah yeah it just it really had you I like a good I like a good setup and this was perfect because it was just Mm -hmm. like how could you go wrong in an old amusement park playing hide and seek because this is another thing where I was just like if I were in this game how would I do and I actually think I could do pretty well to be perfectly fair I think I'd be great at hiding okay you may have sold me on this uh, because now I'm (laughs) did you guys read Fierce Kingdom. Now this was dark. This was like this was like a mother and son, as I recall. And there's like a shooter in the zoo and they like hide. Um well, it's I did not, but in, that sounds good. That it's intense, good. but it was but it was really well written. But it sounds like that mixed with did y'all ever watch Squid Game? Is that the yes, name of it? I love Squid Game. Yeah. No. Yeah. I did you, Olivia? Did you watch no. Squid Game? Um I started, I watched two episodes during my COVID time. My brain during COVID time was a not a fun place to be. And I, even Wait, for my COVID time. when you had book, it or when you were yeah. just living No, it. when I had it. <laughs> no, still my brain is not a fun place yeah. to be. <laughs> By COVID time, I mean, when I had COVID, I tried watching Squid Game. And that is intense, but the concept sounds kind of similar where like it's these people desperate for money and they're competing in air quote childhood games. So I think if people like Squid Game, they might like this book. Yeah, I think that's a great comp. Keela, what's next for you? 
Okay, this is one that I just finished last night, and surprise, it's a creepy house. (laughs) It's These Fleeting Shadows by Katie Alice Marshall. It's like The Haunting of Hill House with Knives Out, and there's some of the characters that remind me of like The Haunting of Bly Manor. And so this is about a girl named Helen, and she has something's up with her. We don't exactly know what it is at the beginning. And she's got she's got a history. And so her and her mother have fled this house years ago when she was little. And it could be because of what's up with her. I don't know. Might have to find out. Um, so they they leave this house. And then years later, they have to go back because the patriarch of the family, the grandfather, passes away. And they, they're like, we don't want to go back, but we, we have to for the funeral. They get there and Helen realizes that she has been left the entire estate of this mm-hmm. place called Harrowstone. And they call it Harrow. If she accepts it, she has to stay at this estate for a whole year. And if she stays there, she can't leave the grounds or anything. If she stays and the house chooses her, then she gets to keep it. So she's just hanging out she she decides that yeah she's gonna stay there and she try while she's there she's gonna figure out the secrets of harrow stone why it's built like a labyrinth who are all these people why are there random holes in the woods and it is a good creepy house and okay. i read it because one of our um customers came in and she was talking about it and was like this book like, I don't know how I feel about it. It was creepy. It was, and I was like, all right, sign me up. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so it got Is this a up. backlist title or a new book? It's not that old. Like it came out okay. a few months Maybe ago. like a month or two ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a young adult, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was good. I was trying to remember, I was going to look up what else Katie Alice Marshall has written. I am still alive. Something vanishing. I've read several of her books and they're all excellent. The ones that I, the ones that I've read. Yeah. Maybe rules for vanishing. I feel like I might've read that. Rules for vanishing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going from Irish crime squad to journalistic nonfiction to witchcraft. That's, (laughs) um, it's just, I just feel like I wanted to give people a wide variety to choose from. <laughs> so I'm next going to talk about We Ride Upon Sticks. This is by Quan Berry. Now, this is not traditionally spooky per se, unless you are me and occasionally witchcraft is scary. And so I, <laughs> I am in both equal parts intrigued um, and then also just curious about what it would involve. And so I, during high school, I think I've talked before about my Nathaniel Hawthorne phase. Inside that phase, wrapped up in that phase, was a real obsession with the Salem witch trials. I very much, like, I read The Crucible, watched the great film adaptation with Winona Ryder, went down that whole path, anyway, and became kind of enamored and interested in the Salem witch trials. We Ride Upon Sticks is set in the 80s in Danver, Massachusetts. The site, according to this book, the site of some witch trials a la the Salem witch trials. And so Danvers, Massachusetts is kind of 
known for being kind of the birthplace of this thing, this horrible thing. And it's 1989 and the Danvers High women's field hockey team is terrible. And they're so terrible that they decide to go into the woods one night. Maybe there's some alcohol involved. And they open up a notebook with Amelia Estevez's face face on the front and they sign a pact with the Dark Lord. to be better at field hockey. And it's kind of a joke. Like they like call upon the witches who went before them, but it's like, they're a little bit inebriated. They're high school students, whatever. But then they start to win. And then they start to wonder, what have we done? And so let me tell you, first of all, this is a sports book. This is about field hockey. And I love learning about field hockey. I love this team. I think in my heart, I'm really sad I never got to be a jock. Like I think... Um, I, I realized the other day that Esme was a jock and I was like, oh man, which isn't surprising, but I was also a little jealous. Like, dang it. Like I wanted that for myself and it just, <laughs> I just don't have the skills anyway. So it's got sports, which I love. It's got kind of this rich setting that's loosely based in reality and in things that really happened, historical record. And then it's also got this, not Sabrina, the teenage, witch like what we all watched with Melissa Joan Hart, more the Sabrina of Netflix that is a little darker, a little spookier because of the witchcraft element. So plus 1980s pop culture reference, when they pulled out that Amelia Estevez notebook, Emilio Estevez notebook, I died laughing. Like I loved this so much. I think the setting is really fun. I think the characters, um, I'm listening to, Olivia, we talked about this. I'm listening to Killers of a Certain Age. And... I'm loving it so much. But those characters almost remind me of these characters on this field hockey team. But these field this field hockey team is young. They're high schoolers. But I don't know. I, I just am really loving it. If you like the show Yellow Jackets, I think you might enjoy this as well. This book is a great hang. This is a good time. And is like just spooky enough. Because it does have those spooky witchy elements. But it's also about friendship and feminism and... Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So that's We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. I like in this book about field hockey players turned into witches. You're just like, man, I wish I could have been a field hockey player. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here just like, so I just take a notebook out into a (laughs) forest. That's all I have to do. (laughs) Yes, I do not want to sign a pass with the Dark Lord. I'd rather just be on an award-winning field hockey team. But if you did magic... Oh, man. I think it has to be the Emilio Estevez notebook. Yes, Olivia, don't forget. (laughs) I will not lie to you guys. I do not know who that is. From from Mighty Ducks. The Breakfast Club. Okay, but what one? The Jock. No, is that him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the Jock. He's Martin Sheen's son. Yeah. Martin Sheen from the West Wing. I don't have a strong picture in my head right now, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think some people thought he was a heartthrob. I did not. Akila, do you think he's attractive? Um, well, no. <laughs> no, no, I really I didn't. You're not going to offend anyone here. I did not. I don't think, I did not think he was a heartthrob, but I did not come of age. I was born in the 80s, but I did not come of age in the 80s, so that might have something to do with it. You and Walt should watch Mighty Ducks. Yeah, no, I think it's like one of those that like I know I've seen as a child, but it didn't really pull me in. <laughs> it's one of those so. great. I feel like for a while you and Walt were re- rewatching like Disney classics, and I I'm just here to yeah. say that that's one of them. 
we did like a solid three and then stopped that trend. Because again, I am not really a movie person. Oh, I don't know right. why we thought that that, that was going to work. But like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from Emilio. Take way. <laughs> um, my next book is Reprieve by James Han Matson. I read this book and then I think I immediately was just like, can someone else read it? <laughs> yeah. I think I just need to digest with somebody else what happened. Mm-hmm. It's about this house, the Wrigley house, which I guess Keela told me might have been a real house in a real it's like, place. There's McCamey, McCamey Manor, which is okay. a, it's very similar to that. Oh. But okay. don't go there. Haunted houses are things I do not do. I don't do scares. I only do scares in books because I can't picture things in my head. So I don't have to. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's also why I don't watch scary movies and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about the Wrigley house, uh, which I think is, was up in like Minnesota. And this is a haunted house escape room situation. And when I say haunted house, I mean like like horror haunted house. Oh, no. But the beauty. <laughs> Did you I, say, oh, I'm no? just thinking. Well, well, I'm. I think I would read this book, but I'm now. I just have Olivia in my head going. But would I do this? And I am like, absolutely not. Oh, I not. wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the no. theme of all of my books. This is the hard task <laughs> for Olivia in real life. Yeah. So this haunted house. Four team members go in. And you have to make it through, I think there's five rooms you make it through. And in each one, there's a different task for you to complete in that room. But there are actors who work in this haunted house who actively, like, they're allowed to touch you. And, like, at some points, they, like, they hit people. Now, they don't, like, hurt or or maim or kill. But, like, (laughs) it it is more aggressive than any other haunted house I have ever read about. Okay. And so... If the four team members make it all the way through to the final room and complete the task without saying the word reprieve, they win $20,000 to split amongst each other. Hmm. But it's been like years since anyone has finished this house because of how terrifying it is. Like they have like cars ready to just usher people to like a safe hotel after they exit this house. Okay. And so, you know, going into this book, like right off the bat, first chapter, that somebody has died in this haunted house, but you don't know who and you don't know why. And Mm. you start to get pieces put together from all these different characters. Like sometimes it's in a courtroom setting because they are on trial for the murder of this person. But then interspersed between learning about all these different characters that have a different part to play in this house and in this world is like the scenes from each of the haunted house rooms. So there is horror and gore in it, but it is really like a few select chapters of it. Mm. And then the rest of it really just felt like this intense, like character study. But the characters were so interesting and so well done. Like you, you left and you were just like, I don't know how this man created this world. So intricately weaved together, but so realistically done. Hmm. He did a great job. It was crazy. But, dude, there is a gore warning to this book. <laughs> For sure, a gore warning to this book. But that is Reprieve by James Hahn Madsen. Um, this really begs the question, which four bookshelf staffers could make it through an escape room? Not maybe of this caliber, 
but I'm just thinking like which four bookshelf staffers could go through a haunted house style escape room? Esme, Keela, Nancy, Kendall. Yes. <laughs> Esme, Keela, Nancy, Kendall. Yeah. Yes. I might sub out Nancy for you, Olivia. Oh no, Annie. I don't do jump scares. <laughs> yeah, but I think you would but I think you would be a good puzzle solver. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was pretty good in an escape room situation with my family. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, I just think you need at least one person who's got some rationale. Keila, I think like you could do that too. And like but I immediately, on either side of me. Yeah, but I immediately thought as me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need you, Olivia. You gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, Keila, your last book. Okay, I can't talk about haunted houses and not talk about my favorite, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I mean, wow. If you love the show, The Haunting of Hill House, do not go into the book thinking it's going to be the same because they're very different, both very great books, book and show, amazing. But the the book is about um, Hill House. That is the same. And so it takes four people. They, um, they show up to this house. You've got Dr. Montague and his assistant, Theodora, and they're looking for solid evidence of a haunting. Then you have Eleanor, who is a fragile young woman who has had so many things happen in her life, and she's had her fair share of ghosts experiences. Mm-hmm. And then you have Luke, who is the heir to Hill House. And at first, when they get to Hill House, their stay just seems like... There might be a few little a little spooks and stuff, but the house basically comes alive and one of them it's gonna choose which one it's gonna own. It's uh. yeah. It it ends up choosing one that it mm. basically devours. Kinda like you know, kinda like in the show. You know, there's mm-hmm. the house comes alive basically. There's a lot going on. But yeah, it's so good. Um, very creepy. The house. I tried to get Nancy to read it. Um, <laughs> she was not vibing with it. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And then the show. I mean, the Haunting of Hill House show. I don't even want to admit how many times I've watched it. Um, Mike Flanagan did an amazing job with it. It's amazing. Keila, is this your favorite? Have you read other Shirley Jackson? Is this your favorite? I think I've read a few. I can't remember mm-hmm. what I've read because she has short stories. I think I read one in school. Um, yeah. But yeah, this so far, this is my favorite. Do you reread it? Yes. I'm actually, I'm probably going to reread it next. <laughs> I love that. It's almost like a, yeah, it's a tradition. I think you, yeah. it's really fun. And it's got one of the best opening lines, like paragraphs oh. of any book. What is it? Okay, yeah. Do you have it memorized? I don't no, I don't have it memorized. <laughs> I really should have. No. Um, I But it just immediately hooks you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I was the flash, I would run downstairs, grab it, <laughs> and, and let you know. But just trust me, it's one of the great one of the greatest openers ever. Okay. Those are our book flights. So I'm my book flight, truly the theme I picked, I wanted something that would be eclectic spooky books. So The Likeness by Tana French, We Keep the Dead Close by Becky Cooper, and We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. Those are my three. Olivia, yours? Mine is Would Not Survive. 
(laughs) (laughs) This is Devolution by Max Brooks, Hyde by Kirsten White, and Reprieve by James Hahn Matson. Yours could also be titled, What Would You Do for $20,000? Yeah. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do for a cash prize? I... Uh, yeah, I don't know that I would do any of these things. I think I could do hide and seek, but not with the twist that happens in hide. Mm-hmm. Um, would not survive Sasquatch. And <laughs> certainly not an escape room haunted house. Fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Kila, yours? Mine is Haunted Houses, um, mm-hmm. Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. These Fleeting Shadows by Katie Alice Marshall and The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. So all of our spooky book flights can be found on our store website. That's bookshelfthomasville.com. Our selections will be on the homepage, and you can also find them under podcast picks. You can purchase the entire flight to make for super easy fall reading, or you can design your own book flight by picking and choosing from our various selections. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. This week, What I'm Reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. Everyone loves fall in Thomasville, Georgia. When it's time to get away, our small town has exactly what you need. Find romance, explore historical sites, dine out, shop, and make time to relax and unwind. There's no better getaway than a Thomasville getaway. Really, truly, fall is my favorite time in Thomasville. We've talked about this many times as a staff, that quarter four is my favorite time of year at the bookshelf. It feels like it kicks off with Sidewalk Sale, which was held in September, but we already have a lot of fun things on the calendar. The city of Thomasville has trick-or-treating planned for Saturday, October 29th, where kids can trick-or-treat downtown. There's a Hocus Pocus outdoor movie night. Did you know about that, Keela? I'm so excited. It's It's so fun. So fun. So it's going to be an outdoor movie night at the Thomasville Amphitheater. And those are just some of the upcoming offerings. But really, it's just the time of year when you like being downtown. The weather is nice. I know other people have cooler weather than we do, but I am thrilled with these like lows in the 50s, highs in the 80s. It just feels like, okay, we're doing it. Like we can wear sweatshirts and it's not the end of the world. And so this is my favorite time of year in Thomasville. And it would be a really great time to come visit. And I hope that you do. This week, I am listening on Libra FM to Killers of a Certain Age. Olivia, what are you reading? I am reading Secluded Cabin Sleep Six by Lisa Unger. Keela, what are you reading? Probably The Haunting of Hill House, since I just (laughs) finished the last one. (laughs) These Fleeting Shadows. Well, thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. To find out more about how you can visit Thomasville this fall, go to thomasvillega.com. And don't forget, it's not too early to start planning your Victorian Christmas trip as well. So go to thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, 
Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.